Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast. KG, we are continuing ACC under review the upcoming schedule it's absolutely loaded we've already knocked out Pitt Wake Clemson NC State Miami and Virginia and if you missed any of those go back check them out but the next couple of weeks guys we are going to continue to break down the ACC schools and their 21 football season We are, Mac, and we have a very exciting episode this week, another one coming Friday, so we're back on that schedule. If you missed our quarterback episode with Kenny Pickett and Sam Howell, go listen to that Monday, and then, or that was on Monday's episode, excuse me, and then last week, we had two guys that are probably moving into the first round, Jermaine Johnson and Zion Johnson, no relation. So check out all those episodes from the Senior Bowl. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your pods. Mac, it's time, though to discuss a team that may have underachieved last year, but I think is receiving a lot of hype going into 2022, and that's Boston College. We're cranking it back up today, Mac. It's time to talk Boston College with our guy Trevor Haas. Trevor covers all things Boston College for the Boston Globe and Boston.com. Listen, guys, I knew that I was going to have a lot of fun talking with Trevor when I read his bio on Twitter and it said, fan of three-pointers and one-liners. Yes. We got another shooter, y'all, on the podcast. It's time to go. Let's chat with Trevor. Trevor, welcome into the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Super excited to have you to break down all things BC. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Man, it's been a fun year. I really want to start from, you know, kind of a a 10,000 foot view. And and when we got to relatively normal in the ACC, things are are kind of back to where they were. But, you know, there's a lot of things that we want to discuss with Boston College. But I want to start here. Six and six, only two ACC wins, a hurt quarterback, identity crisis all throughout the offense, a defense that really got better. But ultimately, is it fair to say that this season was a disappointment? And the only reason I say that is because preseason on paper, I was looking at this team like, man, they're loaded. I mean, this is going to be an unbelievable year for Boston College. Right. Well, it's interesting you bring that up. It's kind of a double-edged sword because at the same time, you know, you're six and six, you're doing fine. It's not the end of the world, but the expectations are really high. So they want to get to eight wins. They want to get to nine wins and be one of those teams like Wake, like NC State that comes out of nowhere and kind of, you know, makes some noise. So... I think the season was a disappointment. I think that's fair to say, but it was also circumstantial because Phil Dracovic did go down and because they had other injuries. So it kind of depends how you look at it. It's a glass half full, glass half empty kind of thing. So I would say, yes, it was a disappointment, but it wasn't really in their control. It was kind of because of Dracovic. And then after that, it all kind of spiraled. And the two ACC wins were mostly a product of that because they never really regained their footing after that happened. Agreed. And we saw nothing against Dennis Grissel, but the um, you know the difference between him and Dracovic, especially that Clemson game, I thought it was very telling. Zay Flowers was wide open, I don't know, seventeen times, and <laughs> at least Grossell at least. just just couldn't hit him. And and you just have to wonder what it would be like if Dracovic was there. So we'll go, we'll talk a little more about Jerk, but I want to talk about Coach Halfley in general, coming from you know his background, NFL, Ohio State, all that, and a six and six season, like you said, for BC. That, that's a fine year, especially with injuries, but it feels like Halfley expects more. What, what is your assessment on just what he's, able to, what he's been able to do so far and his vision for the program moving forward? Yeah, definitely. So I think it's interesting because they're building all of this from 
you know, afar from different angles right now. So it's all coming together with the recruiting, with the other coaches. They're bringing in coaches that have NFL experience and other high-level college experience. They're kind of making it all happen. But now it's just about doing it on the field. I mean, it sounds kind of cliche, but they really just have to put it into fruition and make it happen. Because I think, like you said, Halfley is kind of, you know, taking it and making it his own. He's kind of the guy who's who's really putting his brand on things. So I think he's a, he's a great fit. He's really energetic, um, very passionate guy. Easy to talk to, great with us, um, just very, very charismatic. And I think the players really respect him and kind of buy into what he's doing. So it's just kind of about taking that next step because they're they're close. They're knocking on the doorstep. And now with John McNulty, the new OC, we'll see how that helps. So I think it'll be a really good fit as well. So I do expect them to have a better year this year. And, and Trevor, you, you look at, you know, just from a recruiting standpoint as well, right? I mean, like kids are buying into this because BC, you know, able to, to really recruit at a very high level right now. And we've seen them you know, pulling one of the best classes that they've ever had this past year, you you bring up Jerkovic and, and you bring up the woes that was a part of that and, and really just the the fact that he was Mr. Do-It-All. And, and when five's on the field, it's like, man, we can beat anybody. And, and then, of course, a, a horrific injury, you know, in the first game of the season, he is able to come back. Um, just, l- let's just talk about his development and, and maybe expectations for him in 22 you know, I really think that he can be one of the better quarterbacks in the draft next year, but certainly has to prove it on the field. What have you seen so far from Phil Dracovic at BC? Yeah, I think it's kind of an interesting backstory because he was highly recruited out of high school, went to Notre Dame, was supposed to be the guy there, and then just for various reasons didn't really pan out. So comes to BC, kind of fits in with the underdog mentality that BC always has. But, you know, at the same time, very talented, very hardworking, really great quarterback. So I think it's just kind of his his time to shine as well. It's his season. Last year was bit of a disappointment and he's the first to admit that he doesn't really shy away from it he knows that it was you know part of it out of his control because the injury and part of it just you know not the way they they expected it to go so I think the next part of his development is just consistency he's he's shown his ability to throw the ball deep he's shown his ability to you know hit hit Zay on quick slants and stuff like that I think he's he's pretty solid when he's in a rhythm he's just a little streaky which I think is a kind of microcosm of the whole team last year they showed him flashes where they could beat anyone pretty much, but then they showed it in flashes where they just were really streaky. Like against Louisville, they gave up 21 points in a few minutes. Syracuse, same thing. It's just kind of like, you know, where is this team's consistency? Because if that's there, then they can beat most teams. What What is the, I guess, the, the biggest thing that, you know, Phil needs to work on? In, in your opinion, going into 22, if he does this in the winter and spring, you know, if, if he works on these things or that thing, and maybe it's consistency, what you just said, but then it's like, okay, look out. I mean, this guy's going to just you know blaze the ACC. Yeah, I think it's hitting a lot of those intermediate throws. I think that's the biggest thing that I've seen. I think he's pretty good on the quick throws, and I think he's pretty good on the long ball. Um, I think it's like those 10 to 15-yard passes to Zay Flowers or whoever it is, Jalen Gill. I think those are the next things that he has to work on because if they get those down, they're, they're pretty tough to beat. They have Pat Garbo also, a running back, who's really solid, one of the better backs in the ACC. So once you have that dual threat with Lidrakovic, who can also scramble pretty well, and Garo running uh, the ball, they're pretty tough. So I think it's just those intermediate passes and, you know, third third and 12, that kind of deal, just to keep drives alive because they they put up points in, in a hurry sometimes. But it, then it would be like, all right, three and out, like the other team is back on the field. The other team scores in two minutes, then the game is over. So I think it's just about sustaining drives behind a what should be a pretty solid but young offensive line. We will get to that O-line. But I agree with you on that, Trevor. I do think it's a lot of the intermediate, some of the touch stuff perhaps that jerk can take the next step with. And the good sign too, this is not a, I'm thinking of an example here. This is not a Derek King where you're coming off an ACL and you think about the injury from last year. It was a hand, you know, that's something that can heal, get better. It's not an ACL. It's not something like that. So I don't think that should hold. And we know Dracovic came back last year, obviously, but that shouldn't be an issue um, heading into 22. 
Let's talk about Zay. All right. This dude is special. And I feel like, and I hate this Mac, but at times we kind of forgot about him last year because he didn't have Dracovic. Jordan Addison emerged. Uh, these other guys, Josh Downs, a lot of these other really special wide receivers emerged in the league. But we can't forget about Zay Flowers. How big was it for this program, Trevor, for him to decide to come back? How much of that did Jerk and, and Zay kind of make that decision together? And what do you expect from them? Yeah, that was huge. Um, at, at Media Day in, the, in August last year, you know, Phil and Zay are tight. They're, they're boys. They're hanging out. They're talking about playing one-on-one together in basketball. They both were pretty good high school basketball players, not surprisingly. Um, so I think that, you know, they're just really tight and they have a great rapport. So I think that really is important because, it's, like you said, it's not just Phil coming back. It's not just Zay coming back. It's the two of them together coming back, which they should be one of the better duos in the ACC on paper. There's no reason that wouldn't happen in reality unless someone's injured. So I think uh, John McNulty talked a lot about getting Zay the ball even more. He said that on his first day on the job, uh, Zay was already in, the, in his office twice. Um, he just got there at 9 a.m. and it was 2 p.m. So clearly he wants to get even better. Um, and I think it's the kind of thing where Zay, if Zay had gone, he probably would have been maybe a, I don't know, third, fourth, fifth round pick. He would have made a team, potentially had a chance to make a roster. But at the same time, he knows he can be a first, second, third round pick. He's just that kind of guy who's extremely confident, extremely vivacious personality, very cocky in a good way. Um, just genuinely thinks he's the best player on the field, which he often is. Um, a couple of plays last year that you're just like, whoa, like what's going on here? This guy just went from like very good to insane in like five seconds. So I think it's just a matter of getting him the ball consistently. Um, they have other good receivers too, like Jalen Gill. So I think those, they have to provide a threat as well. But I think when Phil and Zay are in a rhythm, they're up there with the best in the ACC. So I do expect them to have a great year again. And, and Trev, what you just said right there, I think is is the most important thing. Get Zay Flowers the ball and get it in a, a plethora of ways. And, and I hope that's what we see you know, from this offensive coaching staff and, and coordinator moving forward because, as Kelly said, there was times where he just disappeared. And guess what? It's not his fault because he's screaming wide open on the post. He's wide open flying down the field. And it, it was just kind of baffling the lack of touches at times. And I know, you know, we were handicapped by our offense. We, we can only do what we could do, right? But, you know, find ways to, to get him, whether it's a jet sweep, a pop pass, you know, get him the rock because he's that good. And, and I think that's what we will see. I think that was, you know, probably part of – not a promise, but part of the discussion. And if you come back, this is what we're looking to do just because he's he's that good of a player. And he truly is the best guy on the field in most situations because he's so dynamic. I want to talk about this offensive line. Kelly brought it up. You brought it up. Uh, these guys were nasty, and they were super talented. They were amongst the best, if not the best, in the ACC. And specifically looking at Zion Johnson, who is just an absolute monster, really just dominated the Senior Bowl week. There was a couple of folks who called him not only the best lineman, the best player in Mobile. And I think Kelly and I haven't been there in person, seen the way that he was dominating folks, by the way, at a position that he had never played in a competitive game uh, at center. What, what what do you recall the first time meeting Zion or the first time seeing him play for BC? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the first time meeting him. I was actually going to do an anecdote along those lines. So the first time I talked to him, you know, I'm 5'7", 135. So around most linemen, I'm going to be pretty small. But around Zion, I felt like a, like a toddler. Like he's just an enormous human being. Um, his arms are like bigger than my entire body. So <laughs> that was pretty overwhelming. <laughs> but no, he's, he's super, super personable. Um, very hardworking. Uh, computer science major, um, like some guys pointed out, which is pretty interesting. Just kind of how your mind works. You want to just get better and focus on like the nuances of things. So. I think the the sky's the limit for him. I think I really do think he'll be a Pro Bowler or you know a really great player. Um, I'd expect nothing less. I think he's just really cerebral, um, very very diligent, very kind of you know versatile. As people have said, he's shown his ability to play center, 
right away, which is kind of ridiculous. I mean, you would know better than <laughs> I, but I'm sure it's not the same just playing different positions on the line. So can't be easy. Um, but he's just re- a really smart guy who I, I genuinely expect to do great in the NFL. What What are things, I guess, that you have heard via the Senior Bowl or, or if you've had any interaction with scouts or G- anything of that nature? I mean, did this guy solidify himself in the first round, in your opinion? Uh, I think it's possible to go in the first round. I think he'll almost definitely go in one of the first two rounds, maybe three, but probably not. Um, I would expect late first, early second, just from what I'm hearing and guessing. Um, I think, you know, a team that's already really good, a team that can make the playoffs and just wants one more lineman who probably could start right away. I think a team, <laughs> that kind of team would take him. Um, you know, he doesn't need to go to a team that's trying to rebuild. I think he's, he's he'll be on a contender and just kind of contribute right away. Just, you know, as as uh, Todd McShay said, just one of the safest picks in the draft, just a really solid player who doesn't really have any weaknesses on paper. Right, and, and a guy that, you know, I, I joked about this with KG last week, but if you draft Zion, really you're drafting three offensive linemen because he can play left guard, he can play center, he can play right guard. So really that versatility is going to be a big piece for him. So we mentioned Z, Alec, Ben, all those guys are gone. You know, they're moving on. They're going to the next level. Who do you see stepping up for this Boston College offensive line and really being the you know the face, the voice, but also, you know, that, that guy on the field that, you know, look out. We're, we're running this way. It's third and one, third and short. We're following this guy for the first down. Who do you expect to really emerge as as, as that guy? Yeah, I think the name is Christian Mahogany. Um, so he played last year. He was, you know, one of their better linemen um, as an underclassman. And I think he's going to take a huge step this year because he's learned from all those guys, you know, from Alec, Petrula, Zion, um, all of them, Vrabel. They've had one of the better lines in the ACC for a couple of years. So, He's been there and he's seen it all, What when it's worked well, when it hasn't worked well, because they've, as I've said, they've really been streaky. Sometimes they're the best offensive line and sometimes the offense just doesn't really jive for whatever reason. So he's seen the, the ebbs and flows of that. So I think he's a really hungry guy. Um, people have said, like, you know, he's trying to improve his stock to become like a fifth or sixth round pick. And he's like, fifth or sixth round pick? Like, for me? <laughs> like, I think he really thinks he's the dude and now he is. So it's a cool opportunity. Um, some other guys are uh, Drew Kendall, um, Ozzy Trapillo some local guys who I think will step up. So that is really what's going to be interesting because their line has been remarkably experienced, one of the more experienced lines in the country, really. And now it's kind of young, but it's, you know, guys who are, you know, highly recruited. So I think it's their chance to step up. And I expect them to. It may be, you know, some ups and downs, like even like it was with the experienced guys, but I think they'll be pretty solid. Right. And, you know, there's always super high expectations with BC's O-line and losing all that experience. I think that is... That is something to monitor heading into 22 for sure. But let's talk about defense. You know, Trevor, Mac and I are offensive, offensive people. So to have to talk about defense is really against what we believe in. But we will for the people. <laughs> and, you know, this BC defense got a lot better last year, I think, specifically. In your opinion, where has the biggest piece of growth been for this BC defense? And what do they need to continue to improve upon? Yeah, I think the biggest piece of the growth is just, you know, Halfley's influence. I mean, he's he's coached DBs at the highest level. He's he's coached some of the best guys like Richard Sherman. Um, so he's he knows what it takes. And I think you've seen that on the field. Um, they've really been pretty solid defensively for the most part. I mean, they've had some games against Louisville, Syracuse, where things have kind of gotten out of hand. So I would say it's really just about consistency. I know that's the buzzword, but it's really the truth. Um, they've shown it in flashes. So I think it's just about kind of, you know, on on third down, those third longs getting off the field or, when, when teams, you know, run against them, um, like Lee Cunningham, when he just kind of goes off, it's like, how do you stop that bleeding? How do you, how do you kind of prevent him from just going ballistic? If, if he gets like 100, 150 yards, that's just kind of the reality of life. But if he gets like 250, then you're like, oh man, like this is not ideal. So <laughs> I, think it just, I think it's just about kind of 
limiting that and kind of, you know, making sure that teams don't, you know, the damage doesn't escalate. Like if they score 24 points, they score 24 points, but it can't really get out of hand. So I think it's just about kind of being consistent and uh, stopping the run as well because they struggle with that at times. Really, the the biggest, you know, kind of difference that, that I have seen with, you know, Coach Lukabu and, and Coach Halfley, you know, really right away was just the the swag from the defensive backfield. I mean, those guys are playing with their shirts rolled up. They, they, they just have this almost arrogance, which you expect in the defensive back position. You want that. Uh, uh, and, and then they go and deliver. And, and, you know, we saw that in year one. And so I don't know, is, is that a mentality, Trevor? Is that something they instilled where they said, hey, this is where we came from. You see the product at uh, Ohio State and in the NFL, the things that I have done – we're going to do that here. Is that just the confidence that Coach Halfley instilled in those defensive backs? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know if it's going to become DBU, but it's getting it's trending in that direction. Um, I think they're they're pretty solid. Um, they're I think uh, Brandon Sebastian will be a big loss, though. I think he was a really underrated player last year, tied for the ACC lead in interceptions, even though he missed a couple games. Just kind of has a nose for the ball, so I think that loss will be big. Um, I think Josh DeBerry will have a great year like he did last year. He's very solid, one of the more dependable players on the team, if not the most dependable. Um, I just think he's really solid. Uh, Jaden Lars would be um, very solid year last year, strong yeah. strong safety. He's a guy who genuinely thinks he's the best player on the field too, and he often is as well. Um, just a kind of a co- cocky guy in a good way as well, like Zay. Um, so I think that he'll have a, bo- a big year. Um, I think the the D line, like I said, is just you know a little inconsistent. But other than that, right. I, I think the secondary is is pretty poised for another step. And, and I think that's the biggest thing. I think that D line um, just having to improve, and specifically getting after the quarterback. I mean, twenty one sacks. You, you have to see an improvement there. You you have to be able to get after the quarterback to force you know just com- confusion, force turnovers. That that certainly can help. Do you think there are there are guys on this defensive line right now in this program, or is it something where BC might have to hit up the portal, might have to go and get somebody uh, to help? Because this is a new world where where you can go and instantly get somebody to help you. What what's kind of your opinion on that defensive line? Yeah, I don't think it's out of the question that they go to the portal. Halfley's not too big on the portal. He repeatedly says that he likes to recruit guys and build them up that way, which makes sense. I mean, if you want to do it that way, it's a logical way to do it. So I understand that. Um, I think one guy who will have a big year is Isaiah Henderson. Um, he came up big last year and really you know, thrived in an increased role. So I would expect him to take on an even greater role this year and become more of a leader. But I do think there you know, are spots open. I think it's kind of an open competition that a couple of guys will fill a couple spots and it could be a, an ongoing battle. So I do think that's an area that they'll need to shore up as they get into another year season here. All right, let, let's go back to offense. That's, that's enough defense. I'm, I'm getting sick over here just thinking about all of it. Uh, we, we have an OC change, and, and it seems like every program in the ACC is dealing with coaching changes, some by choice, some that are not by choice. But John McNulty, is, uh, he, he's coming in, and he was the tight end coach from Notre Dame. He has OC experience in college as well as a ton of NFL experience. What can we expect this new Boston College offense to look like under McNulty here? Yeah, so I think what he said in his press conference was pretty interesting, how he wants to you know, make it, make it their offense. He doesn't want to come in with his own offense and you know, just take everything over and just run, run, call all the shots. So I think he knows that Phil and Zay, it's kind of their team and Garwo. Um, so he's kind of going to go with that and make it, make it their offense to kind of cater to their needs. So I think, he, like I said earlier, he wants to get Zay the ball as much as possible, definitely in space and let him do his thing. Um, and I think I think really as well, like I said, it's the third downs that they need to just keep drives alive because they kind of, you know, showed flashes and then they would be stuck in third and longs, maybe gave up a sack and just kind of, you know, in, in rough spot or rough spots. So third and 15s that they they end up, get, you know, 
being stuck and having to punt after gaining some momentum. So I think it's, you know, a lot of quick passes, like I said as well. Um, just, you know, those five to 10 yard passes to Zay, get him open in space, um, let him do his thing. So I think McNulty is, the, you know, perfect fit. I think he's a guy who is adaptable, um, experienced, knows Halfley well. They coached together in Tampa briefly in 2013. Um, so I think he just has has a lot of experience and is a, a very level-headed guy. He seemed very humble from talking to him the other day, just very open to learning and open to, you know, hearing feedback from players and helping them to accentuate their skills. Trevor, this is the first under-review interview that we've done where we have the schedules. And so this is very exciting. So let's look ahead here to 2022. When I look at this BC schedule, the thing that really stands out, that bye week is right smack in the middle. After the bye week, four road games, three of them at Wake, at NC State, at Notre Dame. So the way I see it is you better win maybe the first four or five or at least try to go four and one early. What stands out to you about this BC schedule? Yeah, so I think BC fans want to look at this schedule and think, oh, it's really easy, but it's actually not. It's pretty difficult. So, <laughs> like, they want to, you know, they want to get to eight or nine wins, but it's, it's actually a tougher schedule than this year, which is the irony of it. Um, so I think, I think that uh, Florida State game will be big. I think Virginia Tech game will be big. If they can win those two, they'll be in pretty good shape. They should beat Maine, no problem. I would think they'll be Rutgers, but it's not an easy game. Um, I, you know, I think if they can get one out of NC State or Wake it's not, or, and Clemson, one of those three, that obviously goes a long way. I, they may lose all three. They may win one. They may win two. I don't think they'll win all three. Um, it's, you know, I, I expect them to be in the seven to eight range. I think it could be six. It could be nine. I don't think it will be five or ten. Um, so I think it, it's pretty tough, but doable. Who are these BC fans that look at the schedule and think it's easy? <laughs> I mean, do you see the road games Right, here? it's tough. Very tough. You mentioned all those pivotal games, basically, Trevor, are on the road. Virginia Tech, Florida State, Wake, NC State, Notre Dame, all on the road. That's brutal. And I, I think that's where, okay, you hope that an experienced quarterback can really thrive, right. can, can really help us take another step. When we're going to one of the toughest places to play, Virginia Tech, we're going to in their prime, one of the toughest places to play Florida State and, of course, NC State and Notre Dame to, to kind of finish the season road trips here. This is a very difficult schedule. So, BC fans, if you're listening, please do not have these crazy expectations where it's, oh, yeah, this is simple. This is a cakewalk. I do not think that is the case at all. How much intrigue will there be around that November 19th game at Notre Dame with Phil Dracovic, with with uh, McNulty there and and kind of a, a homecoming for both of them. Just talk about the excitement about that game. Yeah, there are storylines galore there for sure. It makes my job pretty easy. Um, I, think it, <laughs> I think it's, a, you know, like, like you said, it's a really cool opportunity for Phil. I mean, if, if, he, if he loses that game, no one kind of blinks twice. It's like Notre Dame, BC, you kind of expect it. And then if they win, it's like all of a sudden he gets more attention for the draft. And BC, maybe they're, you know, maybe they're, they have seven, eight wins at that point and they, they win the game. And then it's like, oh, wow, things are, things are looking up. So, I think it could be kind of a, a zero stakes game that you can kind of look at it as like, all right, we're playing Notre Dame on the road. Like, let's let's see what happens and fall out. And obviously they expect to win, but no one else really expects them to win. So it's kind of a pressure free environment. All right. I want to ask about expectations here, Trevor, on February 7th, which I know you love. What a wonderful question. Um, I want to add this, though, to the BC fans listening. I also do local radio in the upstate of South Carolina on the Clemson station. And I swear every single year the schedule comes out. And we have listeners texting, calling, I'm worried about BC. I, I just want BC listeners to hear that because it's true. And BC has played Clemson close. Really, I mean, the last couple of years, the only blowout that comes to mind, 
I believe it was 2018 or 17 where ETN blew the thing open in the second half, but it was close the whole time. So those games are always close. That being said, this is a loaded Atlantic with NC State, Wake, Clemson. All those teams look to be pretty good. Florida State take another step. What are your expectations for BC in 22? Yeah, well, I think it's, you know, like you said, it's tough. It's not, it's not like it's an easy task. Like if they were playing in a different conference or, you know, even different division for that matter, it, it might be a little easier, but it's just, it's not. So those teams are... If they played in the SEC East, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> easy, yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> National championship. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, think, I think third place would be a legitimate goal. It's a reasonable expectation. I mean, you know, I figure Wake and NC State are really good, again, but they're not going to be as good, in my opinion. They could be wrong about that. I think they'll still be very good, but not they'll take a, a slight dip. Um, and I think Clemson will be a little bit better. Um, we'll see. You guys would know better than I would, but that's what I would expect. Um, so, I, you know, I think third place would be a legitimate goal. I don't think fourth place would be a major disappointment if they can get to that eight-win plateau. But I think somewhere around there, I think if they finish any lower than fourth, that would be a disappointment. Well, Trevor, cheers to a healthy 22 for this Boston College team. Hopefully we get to see all the stars kind of align and play together because I think they're – there's a lot of excitement and juice for this team, especially the offense going into this next year. Really appreciate your time. This was a ton of fun. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Trevor for joining us, talking all things Boston College. And I loved what he said about Dracovic and Zay Flowers operating in many ways as a duo. Zay's coming back. Jerk's coming back. You have to be very excited about that wide receiver and QB duo. One of the best in the ACC returning. There's no doubt about it. Of course, the O-line, there's some question marks, Mac. And, and this is something that we'll dive into throughout the year as we get ready for BC. How do they replace all of those dudes that they had last year, especially Zion Johnson, who's probably going to end up being a first rounder? That's going to be tough. So that's a big question mark for BC heading into 22. It's going to be huge. That That is one of the focal points that I'm looking at and just saying, man, you, you've got a long way to go replacing that much talent and that much experience. I mean, you've got a guy right. in Ben Petrula who started like a billion games in a row. I think he has the most starts consecutively ever because of the COVID year, the extra year that he was able to receive, and that'll probably never be touched. Um, but it's nuts when you see – that and how much is is going to be gone, not let alone the skill and the production and how good those guys actually were. But I think Christian Mahogany is going to be the guy. You know, he is very confident. He knows that he's a good player. Now he has to take that next step and and really get to superstardom. Okay, this is your offensive line now. What can you do with that? Going to be interesting to see. And then with, as the same thing you said with Phil Dracovic and Zay Flowers, can they both stay healthy? Because I think that is a huge difference. That they're Mr. Do It All, both those guys for this team and the new offensive coordinator coming in in McNulty. What can he do with this offense? Because those two, they've got to be, they've got to be the prime example. They have to touch the rock and, and get the rock, especially Zay Flowers. It's going to be really interesting, KG. Mac, you mentioned these records won't be touched. Uh, not until our next pandemic. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right, guys. Yeah, That's we're the done last with all thing those. we need. <laughs> there are all these records, because we're seeing it in all these different sports where you have these players who are playing five years and they're, it's not like they had a redshirt year. It's five total years. And they're obviously very productive players most of the time. So you're seeing these records. But all right, our episode today produced by Richmond Weaver, the man, the myth, the legend. Check out his podcast, Rich Take on Sports. He also has a men's and women's hoops podcast called Automatic. 
He also has like 17 other projects going on. So <laughs> just stay tuned for what's coming from Richmond Weaver. And we appreciate all he does producing our pod. Listen, he makes us sound so good. Couldn't do it without Rich. But guys, that's it. Thank you for listening. Another great episode of Gramlick and Mac Lane. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, follow our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating or write us a review. It's always great to hear from you guys. But until next time, we'll see y'all.